what are the questions that we're asking? How often are we asking these questions, not just of ourselves, but of others and, and vice versa? Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So welcome to today's episode of Learning Unboxed, and I am super excited because we are going to be talking about an organization and its sets of programs by Teaching Matters, which is a national New York City-based nonprofit whose mission is to close the opportunity gap of a radically unequal education system for underserved and historically marginalized children. Over the last three years, Teaching Matters, through its many programs, has served over 250,000 teachers and leaders representing over 7.5 million students. Those statistics alone are worth celebrating, and I'm super excited because we get to talk today about one of their programs in particular, the Math Acceleration Pilot Program. And joining us to sort of share about what that program is and to lean in on her expertise is Ellie Blanco-Rowe, um, who is an expert in K-8 mathematics. Um, she came to Teaching Matters with over 20 years of teaching, coaching, and school leadership experience. So Ellie, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much, Annalise, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. So first and foremost, um, give our listeners who come to us from all over the world sort of the 60,000-foot view, if you will, about the parent organization um, Teaching Matters. Yes. So we actually started as a technology-driven organization to help teachers integrate uh, a digital setting in their classroom. Um, And over the years have evolved based on the needs that were observed in New York City schools specifically. So we are a national organization. However, in starting in New York, we were partnering with a school district that serves a million students. Um, and so currently we have a variety of components within mm-hmm. our organization, such as early reading matters and literacy and science. And so I'm part of our math department, which is called Math Matters. Mm-hmm. And uh, specifically I'm coaching teachers and school leaders in about five schools right now through this program. Yeah, and it's a really intriguing program. And I'm going to just read something that comes directly through the materials um, that your your team sent over to me. And I'm going to use this as the launching point because honestly, when I read this, I was so jazzed, so excited about, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just thrilled to see that someone is making the statement, putting it out there and saying, you know, let's really think about and talk about this um, um, differently. So I'm just going to go go right from. So part of this is, you know, as teachers recognize that students missed instructional time and opportunities over the course of the pandemic, the temptation is to remediate. We hear this over and over again. Uh, teach all the content that students missed. Instead, um, Math Matters, this program, is encouraging teachers to ask themselves, what do students need right now to be successful in accessing grade-level content? And learning acceleration, providing just in time support to students so they can access grade-level content is backed by research and will ensure students are on track and ready for future success in high school and beyond. So let's really dig into that, right? Because this is a really big debate that's happening all over the country and other parts of the world as well. It's like, hey, we've got this gap. We know we, we our kiddos 
got behind 30, 40%, depending on where you're talking about in the world. And you're saying, don't worry about it. Let's instead do. So let's dig into this idea. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it, had his rolling hills um, challenges, of course, a lot of it um, with gaining buy-in, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the gap, um, our intuition is to go to that basic gap, right? And, mm-hmm. and try to let in as quickly as possible. And what we're saying is that for children to be successful um, and what we've seen success to look like is keep them at their grade level, mm-hmm. keep the content at their grade level, and then let's scaffold and differentiate to support student learning along the way, which if, at this point in the school year, more and more teachers are definitely buying into that and realizing mm-hmm. that we can't get through every piece of content, right? Right. A curriculum is just a guide. It's not um, set in stone. And we have to really piece through it and identify what is most critical for students. And we use that through learning standards mm-hmm. um, and identifying what our need, what the needs of the students are, right? So using assessment tools to figure out what are those gaps that we're coming into already mm-hmm. and then how do we fill those in throughout. Right. So essentially, just to be super clear here, so essentially, as I sort of understand the process uh, that uh, Math Matters uh, program is utilizing, is basically to say, we recognize that, you know, kids showed up this year behind because of the pandemic and the influences of the pandemic, and those were many, right? And they were not the same for every child by any stretch of the imagination. Um, All circumstances um, were different. Um, And so rather than saying we're going to try to make up a year and a half or even two years in some cases worth of content in one year to try to bridge that gap, we're saying instead let's keep them on par if the student came in and we're starting this academic year at the third grade, we're going to say we're doing third grade math, but recognize that we're going to teach the math that we need in the moment to get the kids through the, the program to stay on task. Is, do I have that correct? Yeah, that's exactly it. And 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 it's done in a variety of ways, right? So mm-hmm. um, if you're looking at just the lesson level, for example, you're teaching the standard, the grade level standard, um, like you said, on par, um, you're guiding students through it. And then when it's independent practice, at that mm-hmm. point, you can differentiate the instruction no support that students are receiving because some some students like like you said mm-hmm. will come in with no gaps whatsoever, right. and then some students will will have a three or four year gap, which can be challenging for our mm-hmm. teachers. And that's where we come in really to support with coaching, lesson planning, curriculum development, um, and constant support because it is a heavy lift mm-hmm. and it's a big shift. It is a heavy lift. And and that's one of the other things that I liked about the way you structured this work is that not only recognizing, hey, here's the plan and here's how we're gonna do it with we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna stay on task and we're gonna we're gonna differentiate in a, in another way, but that coaching, it's not like coaching either. As, as I recall, it's twenty-five days of dedicated coaching and opportunity. So let's yes, so let's talk a little bit about that support because it's it's a lot of support that comes with this program. It is a lot of support. Um, and sometimes I feel like I live in some of my schools. <laughs> I'm there so often. Um, and one of the our, our many strengths is that mm-hmm. our coaches, myself included, have come with a variety of skills. So even though our content expertise might be siloed, mm-hmm. um, we're able to adapt all of our processes based on the school and the individual teacher. So what we want to see in the classroom, we're doing ourselves through our coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that means is that I could coach five teachers in one building, but the process in which I support them looks very different. And so the days that I'm in there, I'm in the classroom with them, I'm teaching with them, Mm -hmm. um, I'm running small groups with them. 
I'm lesson planning with them or I'm planning a lesson to mm-hmm. them demo so that it's um, it's collaborative, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just, hey, here's a program. Go figure this out on your own, mm-hmm. uh, which oftentimes happens. And I remember mm-hmm. being in the classroom myself and, mm-hmm. you know, being given something and told, go for it and with no support. And so we recognize that this work can't happen in isolation. And if we really want to see these shifts in our mm-hmm. school system, then we really need to get our hands dirty, so to speak. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so I guess I, I want to dig in just a little bit more on this because I, I know our listeners are going, okay, but help me understand exactly how that works. So, you know, um, so I'm a teacher. Let's go back to that third grade teacher. Um, so I'm, I'm a third grade teacher and I'm and I'm, I'm teaching my math lessons. And so what is it, what's different about this program and this approach as opposed to just the same teacher independently saying, hey, I recognize my kids aren't ready for this lesson, but I'm going to, I'm going to sort of plow forward. So what's different here, right? Because, you know, part of what I guess I'm trying to get at is this program's not assuming that the, that the teachers that you're working with aren't, aren't capable teachers to be able to sort of solve this problem on their own. But what we're saying is it's a big problem and we're adding supports, a very dedicated and mindful support structure into this to ensure that those teachers can be successful without it being a complete burnout stressor, which it very easily could be. So help us understand sort of the, that one-on-one opportunity to understand what the teacher is actually doing. What's different in this particular scenario? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I go into this work mm-hmm. with the mindset that the teacher is the expert in their room, right? Yeah. So they know their kids best, yeah. they know their classroom best. And so I am not there to take over in any possible mm-hmm. way. So that's one thing that's, I think, different. There's a lot of um, consultancy programs where, you know, someone comes into the room and takes over and, and then they're expected to follow. Um, so what ends up happening is that we either have a, a pre-meeting prior mm-hmm. to, and so we'll review a lesson together. Um, we'll discuss the lesson together. We'll identify moments where these are stop points. What kind of checks for understanding do you want to have in this mm-hmm. moment? How will this lead the lesson and the student's learning to meet our learning target for the day? We identify a learning target that mm-hmm. is um, more manageable and, and more direct so that um, students can feel successful and the teachers can feel successful, right. right? What we do want is for them to see, okay, it is possible if I chunk this and make this smaller and more manageable. And in the grand scheme of things, that's what we're saying for the school year as well, right? Right. We're not saying go through every single standard. We're saying identify those those key standards and then let's work in small bites so that students can feel successful there, right? Yeah. And then we also think talk about in one-on-one coaching um, around like, how do we get students engaged in the learning? Um, how do we think about what their cultural backgrounds are? Mm-hmm. And again, this is where the expertise of the teacher comes in because she know, she or he knows their students best. Um, so we think about how do we make this more responsive for students and how do we identify when there's a challenge, what do we do in that moment, right? right. And so then we think about that and, and we work, work through that lesson beforehand. I'll go in and observe or co-teach or support in any way mm-hmm. that I needed. Um, and then, you know, we'll receive exit tickets and look at that together as well. And then identify gaps there and kind of, and continue that cycle mm-hmm. of work so that it's, um, it's a, it's a fluid relationship that we're having here. Right. And it's two teachers working together. It's not yeah. just installation. Yeah. So oh, it's, it, yeah, no, no, I do. Actually, I appreciate that very much because I think that that really sort of gets at the heart of, 
I suspect one of the reasons why the program is successful is because you're building relationship, not just, um, you know, amongst the program, but with that individual teacher. I love the fact you said, you know, we're, we're two teachers, right, working on this problem together. We're not this, this ex- outside consultant that's somehow an expert in X, Y, or Z and a teacher who knows the kids in the content, but we're literally two teachers teaching and learning about what's happening in an individual classroom together, right, and tailoring response appropriately together. That's, yeah. that's powerful, it's extremely powerful. And, I, and one of the beauties of our pilot is around that because mm-hmm. I come in saying, I'm here to learn too, right? Mm-hmm. I, I do know the content very well, but I I don't, I haven't taught during the pandemic. I, right. I haven't, right? And so I'm here to learn with you and your failure is my failure. Your success is, you know, is, I'll mm-hmm. take that success as well. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, it, it is a partnership. And so even before we go into our coaching mode, I would say mm-hmm. we spend a lot of time researching the school, um, interviewing folks, just getting to know them. So mm-hmm. it's not, a, I'm not going into a classroom to give feedback on my first or second visit. I'm going in to identify like the strengths right. and really look for how do we build up from, from the starting point. Um, and again, that's what we want to do with kids, right? What yeah. are their strengths and how do we build up from there? Absolutely. And speaking of the kids, one of the other things I really like about this program is the fact that um, the kids actually have a role in determining sort of what you're thinking about or the approach that's being taken um, in the particular program approach and the coaching and the lessons because there's a, a survey to the students, right? So let's talk about that a little bit because Sometimes I think we forget to really dig in deep and ask kids what's really happening in their own minds. Whether it's real or not, it doesn't make any any difference. You know, the kids have a reality that they bring, they they bring with them when they walk into any learning environment. And you're honoring that by even asking the question. So share with our listeners just a little bit about what the survey is about, um, and sort of the why, because you asked some intriguing, you asked some intriguing questions in that. Yeah. So the panorama survey is um, it, it, it's very broad, but um, mm-hmm. when we think about content, we're, we're looking just at the math experience of a student. And so we're asking them very pointedly, you know, are you engaged in the learning? Do mm-hmm. you feel seen? Do you feel heard? Um, do you see yourself in the mathematics that's coming in? Um, do you get excited by this? And in no way is it a gotcha. Mm-hmm. It really is mm-hmm. another data point for us to think about how do we adapt our work to meet the needs that they're explicitly saying? And I've compared it to, I'm a doctoral student, right? Mm-hmm. And at the end of every semester, I have to fill out a rate your professor. Right. <laughs> Why not give kids the same opportunity? Why do yeah. you have to wait till college for that? Because right. the idea is that if in true um, powerful education, we want to make changes, then the feedback is a loop. It is mm-hmm. not just one way. And so, we really have to listen to our clients who are right. our kiddos, right? And, yeah. and identify what are, what are their needs and how do they view their needs? Yeah, I think that's super intriguing. And I love, I love the way you referenced that, that education is, is a loop, right? It's not one-way uh, communication. It's not even by-way communication, that it's, it's a literally circular opportunity that keeps coming around over and over again. I'm really, really curious because I, I always love the fact that, uh, you know, programs, when they really dig in deep with kids. And so there, there are some intriguing myths out there in the world, especially as it relates to mathematics, right? We, we know that. Um, math is, I would I would argue and have on many occasions, um, it's a it's a gateway 
it's a gateway subject in the sense that it has the potential to be incredibly freeing, but also in- incredibly constraining, depending on your circumstance. And we've seen that it is not equitable in the way it's deployed um, and in the long-term opportunities tied to it. So I love the the fact that you're asking these kiddos about whether or not they can see themselves and what they're learning or if they're engaged in it. And so I'm curious about what you found when you've done this survey. What, what is the data telling you before you start and engaging in the program? What are you hearing from these kids about how they feel or see themselves in the work that they're engaged in? Yeah, I mean, it, it's varied across the board. I, what we have noticed, and um, excuse me for my loop, but I know that's I okay, <laughs> is the stronger the relationship with the teacher, mm-hmm. the more positive of the data. Mm-hmm. And I, we noticed that based on our observations of teachers and then mm-hmm. referencing the data there. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. When we see students feeling really safe in the classroom, mm-hmm. um, in the math learning, um, really able to explore their thinking um, and are giving opportunities to show and fail in a safe environment, mm-hmm. the data is showing very positively. And so what we mean by that is, you know, it's a difference between 70% of the classroom saying, I talk about math outside mm-hmm. of class because I'm really excited about it, right? And I'm really excited about what I'm learning or saying, you know, I'm just not engaged at, at all. Right. Like, I, I'm just not present and mm-hmm. there's just nothing right now that's exciting me. And so the questions really stem around that, around engagement, um, cultural responsiveness, mm-hmm. um, excitement, and those pieces. And so we don't ask them academically driven questions. It really right. is about their mental and emotional safety mm-hmm. in a mathematics classroom. Because mm-hmm. to your point, um, we do see, for example, in the marginalized communities, mm-hmm. are so many of our young people are graduating without the fundamentals of mm-hmm. mathematics, mm-hmm. running into debt in, in college because they're having to take these foundational courses. Yep. And so it's our responsibility to make sure that they're ending eighth grade on, on solid footing yeah. so that when they get to higher level mathematics, it's it's not, um, you know, it, 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 it doesn't blindside them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we see that repeatedly as well. Um, so I, I guess one of my other questions sort of following up with, with this idea that, you know, are is the data telling you or your experience with this saying that the kids are more engaged in those earlier years and that by the time they get to middle school, because we often talk about what happens to, to lots of kiddos in middle school, are you seeing that that, that the response to that question is, is shifting um, or are you seeing a consistent trend? I'm, I'm really curious if what you're seeing is, you know, the kiddos are trucking right along. You know, I, I, I had a teacher one time, and this is the way she put it. Um, she was talking about she had been both an elementary school teacher and a middle school teacher. Um, and, and it turned out she was actually a math math teacher. And and she she talked about the fact that she, she didn't want to stay in middle school and she went back down to be a fifth grade math teacher instead. And when I asked her the question, why, why would, why would she shift? And she, she, she said, well, you know, there comes this moment when I realized the kids like each other more than they like me. And that was just really, really difficult to sort of start digging in. And that's just one of those funny sort of middle school things as kids start to transition and mature um, as individuals. And that's not not for all teachers. Um, you know, some folks like high school, some like middle, some like elementary school. But I am really curious about this, this question about that student engagement and that safety space, because I think it's really, really important. So are the kids in elementary school really identifying with that relationship with their teacher? And then are you you seeing that response to that question shift as they go into middle school? 
So just to, and just to clarify, the, the pilot is specifically for middle school students. Oh, it is. Okay. Uh, yes. But I coach K to eight. Right. So okay. for my, for my own experience, I think you're spot on. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and part of that is the joy factor that comes with yeah. lower elementary mm-hmm. versus upper elementary. There's yeah. somewhere around fourth grade where this kind of exploration and joy is just taken out of the mm-hmm. learning that mm-hmm. starts, um, placing students in kind of buckets, like I'm either yeah. good at that or I'm not. Right. Right. Um, and so, and that's not something I've, I've measured for the mm-hmm. listeners, <laughs> but from my own experience, mm-hmm. seeing that when I'm in a kindergarten classroom and they're playing with blocks and they're yeah. talking about this yeah. and, you know, they're, they're um, making mistakes and then they figure it out on their own. Right. And, and we all know how empowering that is when yeah. we kind of discovered something for ourselves, even if it's known worldwide. Um, whereas in middle school, we see very traditionally structured classroom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and to your point, developmentally, in middle school, students need more socialization than yeah. in younger grades, mm-hmm. actually, because yeah. um, the younger kiddos actually see themselves more independently in silos, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so we lose that, uh, you know, cohesiveness of like joy and fun and play in math that mm-hmm. um, is just undervalued completely. And, um, and that makes me sad, especially as a middle school teacher myself, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I integrated games and play time. And, um, yes, we had traditional moments because there's times to teach that as well, but also had to give them an opportunity and a space to work things out with each other and problem solve, um, and talk because they love to talk. (laughs) Yes, they do. (laughs) Um, With each other and everybody else, right? Um, Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit then about some of the specifics tied to the work and the coaching and the program that you're doing, because I am really curious. I assume that you, as as the pilot has gone along, there have been things that have been great surprises to you, right? And there have um, also been been things that um, were disappointments to you or are opportunities to sort of tweak the program because you are learning right alongside those teachers that you're working with and your co-teaching and partners with, and the kids and their experience. So share with us a little bit about sort of those sort of highs and, and low moments um, for you as a learner in this space. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest highs is when a teacher has fully integrated a culture-responsive math lesson, um, meaning that using reference points that students relate to, mm-hmm. um, using their own names, mm-hmm. and then really releasing the learning and becoming more of a facilitator. So seeing that happen has been such a joy because all you hear is a buzz in the yeah, classroom. Yeah, and yeah. and um, it's it's not off topic, right? Like right. students are really excited and having mm-hmm. fun and talking about this and debating the, the issues in which mm-hmm. they're solving a problem. And so when I've seen that, it's just been elating. Mm-hmm. The bigger challenges that I've, we've come across is balancing the requirements of the school district with what we know works best. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm not trying to say we know everything, but if we value engagement and rigorous instruction and um, kids valuing the, sub, the math content, there's just shifts that needs to happen. And sometimes that goes against policy. Right. right. As a result, is it just mm-hmm. a, so much resistance because mm-hmm. It's almost like we have to sneak it in rather than have a very cohesive and flowing um, learning experience for kids. So um, because we're so adaptable, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we work within those constraints. But 
that can just be so challenging and, and really have to think outside the box for how to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point because I think most organizations that are, you know, interacting and facilitating and consulting, sort of being that sort of third party working closely with districts have all bumped up against this, right? Because it is it is a reality. So I guess mm-hmm. that gets me to sort of the last sort of component that I was really hoping to cover in our conversation today. And that is about this notion of buy-in, not just buy-in at the the individual teacher of the classroom level, but more broad um, um, than that. So, let's, you know, one of those issues is around leadership. Um, and back to your point about sometimes we bump up against these constraints within districts. Sometimes we can overcome those because we have school leaders, our building leaders who are so on board with us that they will move heaven and earth to figure out the way so that you uh, and that individual classroom teacher don't have to figure it out. But the leadership is out there advocating and facilitating the sort of shift for you. Um, but buy-in broadly at the district level can sometimes be difficult. And oftentimes programs are, um, you know, and I, I, I can't cert- certainly speak to this one, but we see this all the time. These great innovative programs are brought in. Uh, maybe they're brought in, you know, at the superintendent level, but there wasn't buy-in across the district prior to saying we're all going to do this thing, right? And we we know what that feels like because oftentimes then that third party the organization there to help facilitate that gets caught in the middle of something that really has nothing to do with the quality of the program or the facilitation or the coaching that's being leveraged. So how how does Teaching Matters work around that component or work with, I think is probably a, a, a better way to think about it, to ensure that that's a sort of smooth opportunity for everybody? That's such a wonderful question. And um, actually, when I was an assistant principal, I partnered mm-hmm. with Teaching Matters. Um, so we had um, early reading matters in our school. And it, so I want to speak from both perspectives. Sure. I thought, um, and a shout out to Maria Underwood, who's our mm-hmm. consultant. Um, a lot of her time was spent understanding our school, right? Mm-hmm. Like really learning our mission and vision and um getting to know who we were as a community, right? Being part of just regular meetings and so integrating herself into Mm -hmm. the school community and in doing so was building on our goals rather Mm -hmm. than changing them. Right, right. And so because of that, the the coaching and the support that our teachers received was then um, aligned with the work we were already doing, right? Because as as standalone schools, we already provide professional development. Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. provide evaluation, we provide support. Or when I I was a school leader. Um, So for someone to come in and kind of um, be able to embrace that and build on that Mm -hmm. was powerful. So an example of that was we had um, professional development cycles. And so Maria just ran one of the cycles Mm -hmm. over of the year and so she became part of the leadership team in doing that work and so um was was right alongside with us in the trenches and so the same thing is happening now when I'm on the other end right Mm -hmm. and and also recognizing the pressures that a school leader has right they're not just um making demands for the sake of making demands it's it's having empathy for the fact that they have to answer to higher power um and they have to show results at the same time. And so they reach out to us to help support that. But at the same time, they're facing these constraints. Yeah. Um, so again, I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, like my first couple of sessions are really about getting to know the school um, because that those relationships really matter. Like buy-in cannot happen without the relationships and mm-hmm. without small wins because um, there has to be trust. Right. There has to be trust in this individual as an educator. There has to be trust um, within because 
again, this is not a scripted program, right? Mm-hmm. So it really mm-hmm. is about us as individuals selling the work yeah. um, and believing in the work and showing that we believe in them, right? Um, and and uh, identifying the beauty that is in every school because um, even in the lowest ranking schools, there's just there's just so much that mm-hmm. you can identify as a strength. So mm-hmm. I hope I'm answering your question. Yeah. But, but it is, um, there's not one scripted way to go about it, right? It mm-hmm. is about getting to know each school leader, um, listening to that school leader mm-hmm. <laughs> um, really well, um, and then providing work that aligns to what um, their, their vision is, right? Mm-hmm. While at the same time, infusing other components. So an example could be that um, I created a tool for one school where students um, were reflecting on their own um, questions, uh, mm-hmm. responses, right? So they they had the opportunity to do that. Um, and so that was a request, but I expanded on that by asking to students more open-ended questions about how do they feel about this experience, right? Mm-hmm. What would they need from the teacher moving forward to feel successful? What would they need from a peer, right? So providing that tool and and, and expanding it so that mm-hmm. we are meeting um, the vision and mission of the school while also infusing these best practices. Right. Yeah. I love that. And one of the things that I really love about that is the fact that you're sort of setting the stage for these students to have ownership in their learning, right? And for teachers and administrators to be receptive. Mm-hmm. of the student's ownership in their learning, right? And that's a really, quite frankly, a beautiful thing. And the fact that, you know, you ask the students, you know, what what did, you know, what, what about this made you feel successful? Or what do you need next time to ensure that you can be successful, both from the teacher, from your peers, from yourself? Um, you get students into the habit, and I, and I use that word very deliberately, into the habit of being self-reflective and being self-advocates for what they need to ensure that they can be successful. I really, really love that aspect of what you're talking about. Yeah, and when we think about culturally responsive education, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the social justice and disrupting the system, um, this generation of students no longer can accept just being fed information, right? Um, mm-hmm. For a variety of reasons, they, they just have access to so much out mm-hmm. there now. Mm-hmm. And so we have to adapt to that. We're not the givers of knowledge. And well, and teachers were never just the givers right. of knowledge. But um, as, a, as a generation, I will mm-hmm. say, like, we, re- we, ha- we are recognizing that mm-hmm. students' voice um, matters and that they... And in, in, in instilling these skills in them early on, we can see these shifts that we want to see in our education system. Because as you noted on your website, like our education system as it is, isn't working. Mm-hmm. And so how do we make the changes that are necessary? And it is really by giving power to our kids mm-hmm. and having them disrupt the system. Mm-hmm. And they will. That's the beauty of it, right? And if we just pause long enough to listen and believe, we will see that they will help us find our own way. So absolutely. I love that. Yeah. So so true. So, so very true. Um, and again, when I see that happening in classrooms, right? Like, and I, I think there's a misunderstanding between um, questioning and, and disrespecting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and this is where the culture of the classroom also mm-hmm. comes because I've definitely seen classrooms thriving where students are like, wait, miss, um, that seems wrong. Like, how do, mm-hmm. how do we now, mm-hmm. 
what happened here because I'm missing a step, right? And so that questioning piece um, is critical and, mm-hmm. and it's a big part of our work actually is like, what are the questions that we're asking? How often are we asking these questions? Not just of ourselves, but mm-hmm. of others and, and vice versa. Yeah, I love that making space to to ask the questions um, in a variety of different uh, ways, but also from a variety of different viewpoints. And I, I really love that. Um, Ellie, thank you so much for making time today to talk with us about um, about the the math pilot program. And we wish you um, all the luck. We're super excited to hear more about it um, as the pilot sort of makes its way through and, you know, keep up the amazing work that's happening there in New York City. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, we're, we're very excited and we're excited to compile all this knowledge um, <laughs> over the summer and come up with best next practices. Absolutely. Thank you. And, and good luck on, um, you know, uh, finishing up your, your PhD program. So, you know, oh, be, you. being in a doctoral program, that's a big deal. A uh, lot, lots of work going on there. So thank you for that as well. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.